auto dealers. Are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, July 18th, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, franchised dealers lay into the FTC's proposed dealership rules. Stellantis axes Jeep's joint venture with GAC. And Chinese EV maker CATL scouts Mexico for a major battery plant. Plus a conversation with Lordstown Motors' new CEO, Edward Hightower, the first black chief executive of a U.S. auto company in over a century. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The National Automobile Dealers Association is putting on a full court press against the Federal Trade Commission's proposed dealership rules. They would affect advertising as well as finance and insurance practices that the agency deems predatory or without value. The FTC says they target, quote, bait-and-switch tactics and junk fees. The NADA called the proposed rules unsupported, sloppy, and inconsistent. The trade group's CEO, Mike Stanton, tells Automotive News that the proposal would have unintended consequences for consumers and would negatively affect everyone in the industry. Cost of the vehicles are going to rise, and the time for the transactions uh, is it's good things are going to take longer. So that's going to put more burden on dealers, which in turn is going to put more burden on manufacturers and the whole vendor community. The FTC has countered that its proposals are backed by research, studies, and past enforcement actions. NADA will seek an extension of the window for public comment on the rule. The current deadline is September 12th. Stellantis is terminating its joint venture with Chinese automaker GAC, which has been producing Jeeps. The decision comes just months after Stellantis said it would raise its stake in the business. A spokesperson for Stellantis said the venture had been losing money and that the car maker could still operate in China through its dealer network. GAC signed on to the partnership in 2010 with Fiat Chrysler, which later merged with PSA to form Stellantis. GAC reprimanded the automaker in January for announcing plans to raise its stake from 50% to 75%. GAC was not immediately available for comment. The world's largest EV battery maker is scouting at least two locations in Mexico for a plant that could supply Tesla and Ford. Bloomberg reports that China's contemporary Amperex technology company, or CATL, is considering an investment of up to $5 billion in the project. The battery manufacturer is considering the cities of Ciudad Juarez and Saltillo, according to people familiar with the deliberations. Both are near the Texas border. Sources say CATL is also considering splitting its investment across two locations, one in the U.S. and one in Mexico. A final decision hasn't been made and the total size of the investment is fluid. And Audi, Porsche, and Bentley could be forced to delay key new electric vehicles because of continued software problems. Parent company Volkswagen's group's subsidiary Carryad is far behind schedule in developing software for the models. That's according to our sister publication, Automobile Volca in Germany. Now, Audi's new flagship EV won't launch until 2027, three years later than planned. 
Sources also say Bentley's plan to sell only EVs by 2030 is looking doubtful. Porsche's new electric Macan and sibling model, the Audi Q6 e-tron, are also threatened with delays. Both are scheduled to launch next year. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, you were in a meeting last week with the folks from the NADA about their concerns over the FTC's proposed dealership rules. What were your impressions of what they had to say? Yeah, you know, the FTC has an important role and they're trying to take into consideration what consumer concerns are. But the NADA makes a really good argument that they're bringing too many rules over too few complaints. It's not really clear that the process, that the new rules are going to streamline the process and really make it faster. It looks more like they'll make things more complicated. So that's a bit of a challenge and hopefully it all gets squared away. Of course, we'll stay on top of that story here on Daily Drive as the rulemaking process plays out. Coming up, Lordstown Motors' Edward Hightower is the first black CEO of an American automaker in over a century. He joins us next on Daily Drive. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. Welcome back to Daily Drive. Edward Hightower takes over Lordstown Motors at a pivotal time in the company's four-year history. The Ohio company is gearing up to launch the Endurance all-electric pickup in November of last year, Lordstown said it had entered an agreement with Foxconn for the sale of its Ohio facility for $230 million. That's excluding certain assets such as the hub motor assembly and battery pack lines. The company also said it needed additional capital, apart from the proceeds from the deal with Foxconn, to scale up the production of the Endurance. Hightower moves into the CEO role after serving as Lordstown's president I recently got the chance to catch up with him and ask him about these challenges, as well as his thoughts on becoming the first black U.S. auto CEO in over 100 years. I reached him at Lordstown's Ohio plant. Edward Hightower, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you, Jamie. It's great to be here. So I want to ask about your plans for Lordstown Motors, but it's such a unique organization, right? It's not a automaker in the traditional sense. You're not the one <clears throat> buying the parts and having employees put them together. So let me put it 
to you this way. How do you define the business model? What What is your business exactly? And then what does that tell us about what you're going to do next? Yes. Well, actually, we are in many ways. We are still an OEM, an original equipment manufacturer of vehicles. Uh, we, we actually still do buy the parts is what I meant. Uh, <laughs> we've just transitioned to a more asset light business model. So we are in the business of designing, engineering, testing, certifying, homologating, industrializing, sourcing all the components uh, for vehicles, electric vehicles for the commercial fleet market. Our mission as a company to his, is to help accelerate the transition towards electrification. And we're doing so by focusing on vehicles that are driven the most, that are, those are commercial fleet vehicles. Now, how our business model has recently changed is that uh, as we were nearing the completion of the preparation of the Lordstown, Ohio plant, which we owned, uh, we took the strategic decision to sell it to Foxconn. So we basically uh, transferred that asset to Foxconn through a sale. And that makes our manufacturing or the, the, the manufacturing or assembly of our vehicles a complete uh, variable cost rather than uh, a, a asset or a fixed cost that we need to carry as a small OEM. And the great thing about that, and you know, that asset light business model allows us to really focus on product development, engineering, innovation, and bringing products to market for our commercial fleet customers and without having to get the scale all by ourselves. So the plant that Foxconn now owns, the Foxconn EV Systems Ohio plant uh, in Lordstown, Ohio, other OEMs, their vehicles will be built out of that plant as well. And uh, that will allow us to gain scale, other OEMs to gain scale uh, without having to do it all themselves. So it's a new business model and it's very exciting to be working within it. But the employees at the factory, they are employees of Foxconn or of the JV? They're, they're not yeah, they're, they, right? They previously were Lordstown employees, but they are now Foxconn uh, employees. Because with the purchase of the plant, we had an asset purchase agreement and a contract manufacturing agreement. Uh, both were signed in May. With the purchase of the plant, we transitioned about 400, 420 or so employees that were previously Lordstown production employees they're now Foxconn employees. We also signed a contract manufacturing agreement. So those employees in that new Foxconn owned plant will do the assembly of the Endurance, which we'd all been working on for the last few years. After the launch of the Endurance, you know, other products will come into that plant as well off of other architectures uh, as well. So it's a great opportunity to gain scale without having to do it all yourself as a smaller <laughs> OEM. So you mentioned it's a, a variable cost uh, model. So yes. do you pay for the, the labor? You pay just a fixed amount for <clears> each vehicle or is it sort of a cost plus? How does that work? Well, well, obviously, as we design and engineer and source the vehicle, where we obviously have full influence on what goes in the vehicle, the design, the attributes, how it performs, what features we're, we're offering, but the cost to assemble and build the vehicle, uh, there'll be a cost per unit, if you will, that we will pay to Foxconn. So that's what makes the cost variable instead of fixed. Okay. So what kind of progress is happening on the ground? When will full production or when will production start ramping up? This is the exciting time, Jamie. As we've said in our most recent earnings call, our plan is to start commercial production in the third quarter of this year and commercial sales in the fourth quarter of this year. We continue to build pre-production vehicles 
We're continuing to build them right now. We have for the last several months, uh, those vehicles are being used to prepare the manufacturing plant, you know, complete the last testing and for the homologation and certification testing that will need to be done. And the completion of that testing will be, you know, the driver of when we're able to start selling the vehicles, which we anticipate will be in the fourth quarter of, the, of this year. So it's an exciting time. You know, every launch is exciting. Every launch brings you surprises as you work to get the vehicle just right for the customer. And as you work to get the manufacturing process so that you could repeatedly build them with, with quality and consistency. So we're going through all of those disciplines with the team, the engineering team. We have a great engineering team. We're going through uh, those disciplines with the plant. You know, the great uh, team of uh, associates uh, on the production floor, as well as our quality team, our purchasing team, our, our supplier quality team, and all of our suppliers. So we're working through all of those priorities using all the disciplines that you will see in a typical launch, because as you know, vehicles are very, very complex combination of systems. Mm -hmm. So we're working to get get all of that right and uh, on time for our customers. So gosh, you're going to start uh, deliveries in three to five months. What are the plans for, for retail and for servicing those vehicles? So we're a commercial fleet focused company. So uh, we will likely have several uh, key buyers. As we said in, in our public statements to in our earnings call, we're planning to build an uh, initial batch, a limited production uh, batch of approximately 500 units. And we expect to, between now and into early 2023, first quarter or so of 2023, and we expect them to go to some key commercial fleet customers and uh, that will be strong advocates for the product. And uh, over time, we'll scale it over time. So uh, we're excited to get them in the product. Many of them have have been out to the plant and have seen the product, ridden in the product. Some have driven the product and uh, we're looking forward to uh, uh, getting them in there. And so because you're working with commercial fleets, it's not like you need hundreds of service stations, you know, in every large community in America. Right. That was your other question. So some of these customers will handle service themselves at the storage or home location of the vehicles. We plan to uh, offer training to their associates that will service the vehicles. We're also in discussions for some partnership agreements uh, with service providers that we will train on how the endurance works and they will do service. So likely those uh, first 500 vehicles will be in a restricted geography, if you will, around the this, this United States. So we're going to focus on some key customers that uh, so that we are able to serve them the way they need to be served and offer them a great product for uh, for their use because these customers they use the vehicles for work uh, we want to make sure uh, we deliver a great product to them will lordstown need to raise more capital at some point we've said that we've been public about that you know one of the reasons why our initial production is going to be limited Jamie, is because our bill of material cost is materially higher than our selling price. And our selling price uh, with the option package is about $63,500. And we have a plan to reduce that cost. That's going to involve some investments in hard tooling and some BABE projects, some value engineering and value analysis projects. So we know exactly what we need to do to get that cost down. It's gonna require some additional investment. And until we 
raise the capital to make those investments. That's why we think it's most prudent as a business to limit the initial production uh, to the 500 or so uh, units that I mentioned. So we're in the process of raising additional capital now, having discussions with other potential partners who may be interested in the endurance platform. And we think the combination of the additional partners, the additional capital, and the fact that we know how to get the cost down and the fact that this is will be one of only two full-size battery electric pickups in the second most popular segment in the United States, uh, we think it's going to be a very interesting story as we go to raise capital. One of two, you're counting the Lightning, but you're not counting the Hummer <clears throat> and the R1T because they're not commercial vehicles? Those other ones are not necessarily commercial fleet or full-size pickups. The Hummer H1T isn't full-size? Yeah, I believe that's full-size, but that's not commercial fleet focused. Right. Okay, so as we've noted, you are the first Black CEO of a U.S. auto company, automaker in a century. What does that mean to you? You know, it has been humbling, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, a a magazine and uh, the media of automotive news has has pointed that out because uh, I read automotive news back when I was in college. (laughs) And uh, really, that's not a made-up response, but I've been a big fan of the auto industry my entire life. I knew I wanted to be in the automotive industry since a very young age growing up in Chicago. And, you know, that's why I studied engineering as an undergrad at University of Illinois. And, you know, I'm blessed to have a career in the industry. And, um, you know, it it means that with the right education, the right experiences, the right mentorship, you know, that's available to everyone. You know, the pool of potential candidates for leadership roles is that much larger because that's what it takes. It takes the, the education, the experience the mentorship and the access to uh, to these opportunities that al- allow people like myself to be in positions where we can have an impact on the success of a company, have an impact on the on the business results of the company, achieve the leadership positions. So one more question before I let you go, and I, we might not even have time for it, but I, I want to ask because I think back to when I first met you, I mean, okay. you really have had established yourself <clears throat> as an expert on auto industry investments in Africa and the mm-hmm. potential yes. for growth there. Do you still see that yes. as a an area of, of growth for the industry? I do, I do. Uh, and uh, uh, some of my former clients uh, continue to grow with their operations in West Africa and East Africa and Southern Africa, where uh, where my previous firm was doing work. And if you just look at the growth of the, the key markets in those regions, they're gonna outpace the growth in any other region in the world. So the African continent, the kind of the last final frontier from an industrialization standpoint. So uh, I still hear from several of my former clients, but I'm, I'm very focused on Lordstown Motors right now. Mm-hmm. But I think there is an opportunity as several of those former clients work towards their automotive industrialization goals, they will actually make the pivot towards electrification even earlier than uh, say the developed markets that have all of the legacy cost and legacy infrastructure towards uh, the ice industry. So it's exciting. What's exciting is uh, what I'm doing at Lordstown and uh, uh, what I was doing in in another phase of my career is exciting as well. Edward Hightower, CEO of Lordstown Motors. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. 
And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, the FTC's proposed dealership rules, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about how automakers and suppliers are using 3D printing to keep assembly lines and production machinery running amid supply chain problems. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.